Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Sykes. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Today, you get to hear from Ashley Harmon about the time in her life after a series of miscarriages when she was doing okay enough to fool everyone around her, but really barely keeping her head above water and then how she pulled herself out of that dark place. And when I say pulled herself out, it wasn't something she did alone. Plus, we're talking about lying to yourself, refinding your motivation, and the importance of having a support system in place. Ashley Harmon is a regional sales director at Twilio with a people-first mentality. As you'll hear, she has a passion for helping others succeed and reach their full potential. Ashley is a dog mom, a human mom, and a karaoke enthusiast. I find it interesting that in her bio, she put dog mom first. She is passionate about her family and her work, and she strives to make the world around her a better place. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to move away from living in a state of constant anxiousness and instead find peace of mind no matter what's going on around you, Get on a complimentary call with me. In less than 30 minutes, you'll get insight on any issue you'd like to bring to the table, and you'll leave the conversation with clarity and renewed energy. Find the booking link in the show notes or text me at 571-317-1463. Hello and welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Ashley Harmon. Thanks so much for joining me, Ashley. Thank you so much, Lori, for having me on. Excited to be here. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So we always start out with this question, and that is, what were the values and beliefs that you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you've become? Oh, my God. What a what an in-depth question. <laughs> um, so I grew up on a dairy farm in upstate Vermont. So I, I have to give, I mean, work ethic is such a huge part of, of who I am. And part of that is because I came from a culture where you work while you're awake. It's just constant. There's always something to do. My parents were wonderful about making that work fun. Um, they tricked us is what I like to say into thinking the work was actually fun activities. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I really, let's make a game of this. Yeah, yes. Who can weed this row the fastest? <laughs> um, so I really grew up, you know, where hard work was appreciated. And, and so I think that has really stuck with me my whole life. And so I kind of attribute my morals to, to two parts. Very, I started gymnastics at a very young age. And I think I was having conversations about commitment and, and sacrifice at probably the age of 12, which wasn't something that most kids were having. And the reason that we were having those conversations is because I could only pick one sport. Um, I was one of four kids. We had a 
a family farm business. So there was a lot going on, a lot to do. And so that was the sacrifice my parents asked of us was pick one thing. So of course, my brother and I, who are about 15 months apart, picked opposite things. He picked skiing, I picked gymnastics, just to make it real hard for my parents. But they had to sacrifice a lot for us (laughs) to be able to do what we needed to do. So I kind of grew up with this belief that you you work hard and you sacrifice things to to get to what's really important. And so when I think about myself and what I do today, I think about how I like to give 110% of myself all the time, um, sometimes to my own detriment. <laughs> and I, I like to really think of myself as an advocate for others, right? Who kind of maybe are stuck or they're, they're not sure. They just need a little bit of support. And so I, I give a lot of credit to my parents for the way that I turned out, which I think is pretty great. I don't know what they'd tell you, but <laughs> long answer short, farming and gymnastics really played a big attribute into who I am today. You mentioned that you like to support others and be a mentor and support other people's success. Where does, where does your desire for that come from? Do you think? Yeah. So when I was, a sophomore in high school, I was 15, my brother was diagnosed with a rare tumor on his adrenal gland. Um, prior to his diagnosis, he kept having these severe headaches and they thought it was from sports or football or his helmets from skiing. They were constantly trying to loosen his helmets and your adrenal gland is in your abdomen. And so what the tumor was doing was re- releasing so much adrenaline anytime he did anything that he would have these significant headaches. Well, when he went into surgery to remove the tumor, um, kind of a series of unfortunate events, a lot of things went wrong and he ended up being induced into a coma post-surgery until his brain stopped swelling. And after his brain stopped swelling, he had to, he was very much like a stroke victim. He had gray areas of his brain and he had to relearn a lot of things, including um, moving talking. And so I grew up very much being his advocate, but also being an advocate for myself and my two younger siblings to make sure that we had what we needed and that my parents had the ability to take care and and provide for him as well. So that was, we were 15 and 16 at the time and he just turned 40 and I'm about to turn 39. So it's been what feels like a lifetime of making sure that you know, you get into this caregiver role and it's very hard to remove yourself from that situation. And so because I grew up with that kind of extra aspect of life, two things really came out of that for me. One is I'm really very conscious of people's health, both mental health and physical health, and making sure that people are getting what they need. And and if I apply that to work as a manager, am I making sure that my employees have what they need to grow, to feel valued, to feel safe, to feel motivated. And if I look at that from, you know, a a personal standpoint, it's can I make as much money as I can possibly make so that I can take care of the people in my life that need to be cared for regardless of, of, you know, extenuating circumstances. So those have really driven me to kind of be an advocate and stand up and and speak out for those who can't, but also to kind of be a better person and a better manager. Which leads, that's, I I love that you're, that you feel that responsibility um, because so many people 
need somebody to be an advocate for them and there isn't anybody. And so when there are people who are willing to be mentors or be champions for them, that's so admirable. I think it's hard to... That also oh, sorry. would lead into... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's sometimes hard for people... I'm in the sales world and I think there's so much competition that it's sometimes hard for people to open themselves up enough to realize that we can have healthy competition and be on a team and support each other to all do our best versus tearing each other down because we want to win so badly. Um, and I think that's where gymnastics plays a huge part in that experience for me. Mm-hmm. Our world right now is changing. And I, for the, I feel eventually for the better that to focus more on this collaboration versus competition to get people to be more collaborative, which is, you know, we all have the masculine and the feminine energy, regardless of your gender, there's the masculine and the feminine energy and masculine is very competitive. Mm -hmm. Feminine is much more collaborative. And there's been this, uh, the, the balance has, it's been out of balance. Yeah. And I think we're now coming more into balance in that. I agree. I think we're seeing a much more balance and and much more value towards that collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. When we talked before this interview, when we, our initial conversation, you were telling me about a situation because the show is called fine (laughs) is a four letter word when you said everything was fine and it wasn't fine. And I think that this is a great place to introduce that because part of the reason you were saying everything was fine because was because you didn't want to disappoint some people. Oh, yes. A very hard time with that one. <laughs> um, so we when we had spoke a little bit earlier, and just so everyone kind of has the full story of, of fine versus fine, um, I had my daughter and we we very badly wanted a second child and i went through a series of miscarriages pretty much back to back um and after my last miscarriage i was suffering some from some pretty bad postpartum depression um that i was not getting treated for seeking help for because i thought postpartum depression only happened after you actually had a baby which looking back was really just mm. a big miss on my I mean, you're educated, but you don't think these things through all the time. And I was to the point where I just lost my motivation, where I was checking in with people. I was going through the motions at work. I was getting it done. And but if I didn't have to be on a call or on camera, I was pretty much not functioning. And I was hiding that from everybody, probably except for my husband, who I'm sure was like, dear God, someone help us. But I was hiding that because of two, yeah, because of two reasons. Um, The first being that I did not want to be perceived as weak. I did not want to be perceived as somebody who couldn't get their job done. But I was dealing with so much emotional disconnectedness, I guess is the best way I could put it, that I, I, I didn't care anymore. I didn't care if I was at my that best, that 110%. And so on top of feeling like 
just disconnected. I was also feeling this guilt because I grew up in a world where you give 110% of yourself all the time. Um, and I know you mathematicians are out there saying you can only give 100% of yourself. So, I, I, you know, I agree. It's fine. <laughs> but it really was a dark place for me. And at the same time, my boss knew what I was going through because I had shared with him, but very few people knew what I was going through. And even when he would check in on me, I almost felt like I didn't want to talk about where I was at. So I would just say, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like I'm getting it done. Mm -hmm. And I was. Mm -hmm. From a from a sheer numbers perspective, I still looked like a rock star. Did you not want to talk about it because you didn't want to admit to them that you were not giving 110% or did you not want to like admit it to yourself or you already knew that you yeah. weren't, but were you just trying to convince yourself that you? Yeah, I think there was a lot of that like who are you lying to, right? Are you lying to yourself? Are you lying to others? Um, I think I was doing a little bit of both, right. right? If I could not talk about it, I could pretend like it wasn't happening. Um, but on the flip side of that, outside of this bubble of just complete lack of motivation and, and being disconnected and not feeling the passion that I used to feel, I'm a very ambitious person. I had taken an individual contributor role and I knew I wanted to eventually get back into leadership. And I, there was, I think, a part of my brain that said to me, if you show this weakness, you'll never get back to where you need to go to. And that's really so unfair to those mm. that we're working for and we're working with because we're just, it's a lack of trust in other people's empathy and we're not giving the, them the opportunity to really be the support system or be that empathetic partner that we might need. And so we're taking that away. And part of that, I think, is right part control freak and part um, part avoidance. And so you really do. You get into this place where, you, where you're fine, but you're not fine at all. And you're, you've got a mask on. And the mask to the world is saying, like, look at me, I'm doing this great job. Yeah. And you're saying to yourself, like, man, how much better could I be doing if I was actually giving it something? And so, you know, you right. kind of right. you don't want to allow people behind that mask because the fear of what repercussions or consequences might come from that are terrifying. Right. Yeah. So what was the point where you finally said then, okay, I have to either let them know, let them be empathetic. Like you said, you were taking away that opportunity to be empathetic or like, what was your, what were your other choices? Continue yeah. going on the way you were going, which wasn't really working either. Yeah, totally not working. And I think it took like, I, my husband at one point sat me down and he was like, you can't keep doing this. Like, and I'm, it's so funny how we support each other. He's, we both met in sales. We both have managed sales team. He does not like that. He prefers to be an individual contributor, but we have this conversation 
kind of to support each other a lot where it's if this isn't right for you like we can get by we can manage if you don't do this and if you're in sales the money is so addicting and it, and it becomes addicting because the lifestyle that you can have is also addicting so you're weighing these two things of like mm-hmm. I've lost my passion I've lost all these things I'm stuck I'm not motivated but I don't want to walk away from the money And now you're looking at it and going, is this who I'm going to be for the rest of my life? And I think I started to have that conversation with my husband and say, like, I I don't know who I am anymore. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. know what, like, what is, what am I passionate about? I, I don't feel any of these feelings. And again, that's a lot of the postpartum talking. And I really strongly encourage anyone who's feeling this, please go get help. I eventually did. It makes a huge difference. But I started to ask myself, what did I, what do I really like about my job? And he and I started to have that conversation. And what was I missing that I felt like would help me get up in the morning and and be more engaged and get to that next level? And so And we started to peel back the layers a little bit about what about sales I was passionate about? What about working with people I was passionate about? And so we kind of kept peeling back the onion and and we got to the point where I really wanted to get back into managing. I loved coaching. I loved having a team that, you know, I could watch and help them grow their careers as well. And for me, I found more value in that than necessarily the paycheck that was coming, you know, after a big sale. And I still loved the customer interaction piece of it, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to help people with their customer engagement as much as I wanted to do my own. And so what that allowed me to do is come up with a plan. And I think once I could come up with a plan and a goal and something to work towards, I started to get out of this cycle of, I don't have any motivation. I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. There's just no end. I I have to find something different. We didn't have to find something different. I just had to find my passion again. So once I had that goal in place, I could really start working towards kind of getting myself back to life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you and your husband worked together to unpeel this onion. And then you also, you mentioned that you also got outside help. You got professional help. Was that at the same yeah. time? Yeah. When did that come into the? Yeah. So I, I never got put on medication. Um, although a couple of friends uh, made some great recommendations uh, for me to do that. One of my best friends is a therapist and she was like, okay, you need to talk to someone. Um, But I just started talking about it more. And so having the conversation outside of my home and allowing more people to see me, to see my struggles, to see what I was working through, and then hearing how some other people were facing the same struggles and how normal it was and how people had kind of overcome on their own really made a world of a difference for me to be able to, to say like, okay, I need to start changing my mindset. And and part of this is something I can work on. And I was very lucky, but 
please. I have friends that have gone on some Zoloft just to take the edge of postpartum off. It has worked wonders for both postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, very, very real disorders. I, I highly encourage people to, to get the help that they need, be that somebody to talk to or, or medication. I really appreciate you coming on the show because this is what the show is about, is helping people see that they're not alone. Whatever it is that you're going through where you're saying everything is fine and it's really not fine, you don't have to go through this alone. And this is not, this is a topic I, I think I shared with you that we haven't talked about on the show before. So I'm so grateful for you coming and sharing your story so that people can, again, like you said, you weren't talking about it because, you know, was there was like this, I don't know if it was like shame. You just wanted to believe that you could handle it yourself and you didn't need any help. Yep. Like, I think a lot of times yeah. that's where we go is like, no, no, I got it. I'm good, but you're not good. But once you I, open up and allow people, like you were saying earlier about uh, allowing people to be empathetic. Yeah. And I think people who categorize themselves as caregivers will heavily relate to this. It's much easier to give care than to accept care. Yes. And so when you're kind of trying to figure yourself out and you're this very independent person who is giving care all the time when it's your turn to say like, Hey, I need help. That is like the hardest three words a caregiver can utter. And, and yet they're probably the most powerful because we all need help once in a while. Right. And as I have talked about on this show before, this is a, there's a natural flow. I mean, this is how nature works. It's your ocean, your, your tide comes in and goes out. You can't have it only going one way. Would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Would be really nice if that what, were the what? case. <laughs> well. <laughs> I think they just only, call those pools. Because you don't want to give up the control. Yeah, exactly. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's nice for those who don't want to give up the control. I gotcha. I gotcha. You, um, you had a plan that you were doing. So you were, you were working this out with your husband, you were getting professional help. And what were some of the other things that you were doing to help yourself manage through this, this, I'll, I'll call it a kind of a transitional time. Yeah. So what I started to do was to build relationships with my leadership team and to kind of keep putting myself out there, kind of show more people that I was interested in, you know, this other area of, of work, not just as an individual contributor. And what I kind of refer to as like intentional networking, which in the virtual world has become very, very difficult. I mean, we used to be able to pop into somebody's office or, you know, say hi in the hallway and you had this kind of natural rhythm that made it easier to talk to somebody who you didn't necessarily know. And so I started to be very intentional in those conversations and setting up conversations, putting time on people's calendar and talking to them about my goals and asking for advice and asking for um, support. And then I also put myself out there as a mentor to others who were looking for that. And that kind of helped me 
again, we talk about that caregiver role, but fill that caregiver need where I didn't feel like I was just taking, um, that I was giving back as well. Yeah. Often one of the ways, one of the best ways to help yourself is to help others, right? To find a way to Very be much. of service to others. Yes. As yeah. long as your as long oh. as your candle's not already burned out. Right, right. Good point. And I was thinking that as I was saying it, but yes, I'm glad you reiterated it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think we should question ourselves when we start to say, I'm fine. Like, are you? Because there are days when I'm like, oh, I'm fine. And it means nothing. But there are days when I'm, oh, I'm fine. And it's just me putting up walls. And so I think we need to kind of self-reflect when we start to say that, like, oh, wait a minute. Am I, am I fine? And, and hey, it's okay to say I'm surviving. <laughs> and I joke about that because Lori asked me how I was doing today. I was like, I'm surviving. <laughs> Been a crazy day already, but it's okay to be honest about, you know, what you're feeling. And if you're asking someone how they're doing, but you don't genuinely want to know, don't ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I was, I, where I thought you were going to go when you started to say, when you're asking someone how they're feeling and that's not where you went, but what I thought you were going to say okay. was, and they say they're fine to, to call them out on it. Like, are you really yeah. like, again, like, yes, there are points where you don't really want to know. You just, so don't ask. But there are yeah. places where you really do and you see that somebody's saying they're fine in the same way that you did when it's really not fine and then helping them to, uh, to verbalize or to recognize that it's okay. You can tell me that it's not fine. Yeah. How can I support you? Other, other guests have been more entrepreneurial and haven't worked for the companies the bigger companies, like the one that you work with, are you seeing in, in your company? Cause that's probably all you can speak to is where you, your experience, um, that management or teams are more accepting of people saying I'm not fine and helping them. Yes. Especially post COVID. I think COVID really, and, and I'll silver lining this, right? But it really gave the opportunity for companies to say, we recognize that you might not be fine and not have it be, you know, put them in a position where they were, you know, asking about somebody's personal health, but, but generalizing it enough that gave people the ability to come out and share. So I do think there has been a lot of improvement on that front just in recognizing that we're in different times or in harder times from a mental health perspective. And we're acknowledging mm -hmm. that by setting up different ERG groups and offering, you know, different healthcare packages, you know, that have an emphasis on mental health, having um, online therapy available for people who need it or, or online counseling available for those who need it. So yes, I've seen a huge uptick in that. I also work for a company that's very, very socially advanced. 
compared to some of the other corporations I've worked with in the past. And so they're very much, they make their employees a priority in that sense. Um, and you talk about your entrepreneurs. And I, I think that's, it's such a great opportunity for those in leadership to share and to show a little bit of vulnerability to make it okay for the people below them to be vulnerable as well. And I do think in corporate America, mm-hmm. that has not been the culture. That has not been what is acceptable in the past. So I think we're seeing a little bit of, of transition come, but I'd love to see even more. Do you think that transition is coming because of pandemic or because of generationally the younger generations are more open with their emotions, with their vulnerability? It's a very deep question. I definitely think the pandemic has allowed for more. I think there's a probably 10 hour long conversation we could have about how social media and the generations that heavily use social media has affected our ability to share and whether that sharing is truth-based and real or whether it's a, a or whether we have grown in our need to live a specific perception but that's a much larger conversation i do think the younger generations are becoming more open largely in part to the work that was done by the generations before us and allowing us to be more open with those feelings and with those emotions. So I, I definitely think it's both, but I, I mean, the social media aspect of how we share sometimes really concerns me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that is a whole other uh, conversation. You're right. And we won't, we won't get into that on this episode. Um, <laughs> but what we, what I so appreciate the conversation we've had today. Before we go, I need to know what the song is that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy. Like when you were down in that place where things didn't look so good, uh, was there a song, or I think you mentioned there was more than one song that you listen to when you need to get an extra boost of energy? What's your hype song? And this will probably give you even a bigger glimpse into my personality, but my two I have two songs that I listen to that really pump me up. One is very obvious. It's Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Dun, 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 dun. I just hear it. I'm already pumped. And then the other one is actually um, A Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman. I just, I love the whole, I love the soundtrack from that movie, first of all, I got to tell you, but that song just about, you know, you have to dream it to achieve it. And I relate so much to that. So oh, I love that song. That's such a good one. I love both those songs, but that a million dreams. Yeah. Great one. All right. So lastly, I know I said that was the last question, but I have one more. <laughs> what, if, if someone wants to continue a conversation with you, where is the best place for them to do that? Yes, please, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. So it's Ashley Harmon, and I think it's, I'll have to, I'll send you the uh, social tags, Lori, because I'm the worst and I never remember them off the top of my head. But I think if you search at A Harmon or at Ashley Harmon, I should come up 
but yes, please, please reach out anytime. If anybody ever wants to have more of a conversation or is struggling and, and just needs somebody to talk to, I'm more than happy to connect. Cool. I will put links to both your hype song and your, uh, the way that somebody can get in touch with you. You can tell me and we'll put, we'll put a link in the show notes. So we'll make it easy for people to find. Thank you so much for joining me today on fine is a four letter word, Ashley. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you everyone for listening. On a lot of the shows, we've talked about reevaluating where you are and completely changing direction. I appreciate that in this one, Ashley talked about reigniting a passion for what she was already doing. And I'm grateful she was open to talking about the sensitive subject of miscarriage and postpartum depression. Here are the key takeaways. Number one, if you're in any position of leadership, it's important to make sure the people on your team have access to resources they need to ensure their well-being. Ashley had this lesson ingrained in her at a young age when she assumed the caregiver role for her brother. This experience led her to becoming very conscious throughout her life of people's mental and physical health and made her a better person and a better manager. Number two, on the flip side, it's not unusual for people who are used to being caregivers to have a hard time asking for or accepting help. Give others the opportunity to provide empathy and support, even if you feel afraid of reaching out, and especially if you tend to avoid asking for help. We talked about this natural flow of give and take in last week's episode with Cedrula Maruska, too. Number three, figure out how your motivation works. Apart from the money, what drives you to get up every day and perform at work? When Ashley was feeling disconnected, it wasn't until she took the time to self-reflect that she discovered she'd lost sight of where her passion really was. If you can pinpoint your why, your plan towards the goals you set will start to regain sense every step of the way. Number four, getting professional help and having a support system in place makes a huge difference. If you're working through a difficult situation, make sure you're taking care of yourself, arming yourself with the proper tools and resources on your journey to recovery. And number five, question yourself when you say you're fine. Observe and examine how you're feeling and recognize if you're truly unaffected or if you're just saying you're fine by default, masking any underlying distress. Challenge the people you care about to answer honestly as well. Call them out when they say they're fine and offer your support in case your suspicions are right. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.